0: Well, good morning. As Pastor said, my name is Sean Sorensen, and I am the youth pastor here, or as I like to refer to it, the pastor to the hormonally overloaded. This kind of helps you to know who I deal with. We're in the, uh, the series right now that we're in a shift, and it's all about how God wants to take our lives to the next level. And we're looking at examples uh, from Scripture of God transforming people in such an incredible and dynamic way that he actually saw fit to actually change their name. Uh, today's message, Overhauling, is taken, uh, the title is taken from the show on TLC by the same name. Uh, If you've not seen the show, basically the premise of Overhauling is this. Uh, They take an ordinary or perhaps a little bit rundown vehicle and a group of experts in a short amount of time are able to transform that vehicle into something completely different. They give it new body work, new engine work, new interior, paint jobs, and all these uh, intricate details so that when the vehicle is finished after this time, uh, it's completely unrecognizable from what it, it previously was. And we chose that name because God wants to do that that same type of transformation in each of our lives. Uh, the example that we're going to look at specifically today is the example of Peter. And now, if you've been around uh, church for a while, or, or if you're familiar with the scriptures, you might have some preconceived ideas about who you think Peter was and what he was all about. Uh, Peter, we know, was kind of uh, a guy that had the gift of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, always speaking out of turn. Um, and, and that's kind of how we've come to know Peter, maybe a little bit immature, a guy that kind of flew off the handle at times. And we, we have this, uh, these, these kind of preconceived ideas about Peter. But we know this, that before Peter was the Peter that we know in Scripture, he was somebody completely different. The Bible tells us that before he was Peter, he was Simon. Now we don't really know a lot about Simon. The Bible talks about Peter as we know him, but we don't know about who he was uh, in great detail as the person Simon. So we kind of have to do something that maybe seems a little bit odd to us here in our culture to really try to figure out who Simon was. And what I mean by that is that we have to look at what the name Simon means. Now, in our culture, in our society today, we pick baby names for a variety of, of reasons and in different ways. Uh, maybe you choose uh, a baby name to honor a family member or a friend and and you want to name them after somebody Uh, maybe you open up the baby name book and and kind of pick that way or you pick a a baby name based on what's popular in our culture right now Uh, celebrities do it a little bit different they seem to just pick an object in the room and name their child after that (laughs) this is baby defibrillator or whatever you know Um, (laughs) very odd Uh, how I got my name. Uh, my name's Sean. Uh, my father was a big James Bond fan, and when I was born, the actor that played was? Connery. Thank you, Sean Connery. I see you all watch TV a lot and movies, um, but I'm okay with that. Sean is a good name. A lot of people pronounce it scene the way I spell it. I don't really like that, um, but Sean's a good name, especially considering the alternative that, that my father uh, was was wrestling with. The uh, alternative was based on his favorite television show, and you guys are going to think I'm kidding when I tell you this, but my name was almost Zorro (laughs) Sorensen. I'm not really sure how far in life you can go with a name like Zorro. Uh, My wife has already informed me that if it meant she had to be Mrs. Zorro Sorensen, we would not have gotten married. So I'm okay with Sean. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that. Everybody, after the the last service was coming up, said, uh, you just made that up, didn't you? I promise. (laughs) I was almost Zorro. (laughs) I just signed my name with a Z wherever I go, I guess. But But in this culture 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, it was much different. The way that a name was selected uh, was in a much more, I guess you would say, deep manner. Because it was... Uh, a name and the meaning of that name was so closely tied to the character and the personality of a person. We can't really relate to that. Uh, in our. I mean, many of us probably don't even know what our name means. And if we do, it's just kind of a, a nice little tidbit or we have a bookmark with the name and a, our meaning on it. But in this culture, it was everything. And so it might surprise you to know that the name Simon, based on what we know about Peter and the way that he was, might surprise you to know that the name Simon actually means to hear or to listen those aren't qualities that we would normally associate with peter based on what we know of him Uh, we don't think of peter as one of the great listeners in scripture so what does this really tell us what does it tell us about simon in in practical terms well we know this that, that simon was a fisherman and we can assume um reasonably that that he was a man who went to work every day to provide for his family probably worked hard at his job his job by no means was a, a glamorous one. Uh, being a fisherman was just kind of a common trade in, in his day. And, um, but we can assume that, that he worked hard at it and that he did a good job. Uh, we also know this about Simon, that he was a Jew. And so part of his upbringing would be to be regularly to attend the, the synagogue and to sit before the rabbis. And under that, um, his upbringing would be to hear and to listen to the stories of those who had gone before him, the heroes of their faith, the figures who had done great things in his past, and the rabbis would tell stories of Moses and of, of Abraham and of Joshua and Caleb and all these great men and I think that Simon was probably somebody whose whole world was wrapped up in hearing the stories of others, and we can assume that his his existence was maybe a little bit mundane i 'm sure he loved his family and i 'm sure he worked hard at his job. it probably wasn't a real exciting uh, existence for Simon and I think maybe somewhere deep down as Simon sat and he heard the stories of others there was some kind of a longing that welled up within him to not only hear the stories of others but to begin to experience the story of his own to do things that would take him outside of his normal existence maybe you can relate to those feelings maybe you go to your job every day and it seems like one day is just like the day before it and you know tomorrow is just gonna be like today and, and you, you come home, and, and you love your family, and you have a great family life, but you wonder deep down, is there something more that I am meant to experience with my life? I think maybe that's where Simon was. There's a popular show on TV right now called The Office, and it's popular, I think, for maybe a couple different reasons. First of all, it's a, it's a funny show, and I think people connect with the humor. But this show centers around a group of people in an office in Pennsylvania. And they have a very mundane existence and they just kind of um, are looking some, for some kind of significance in their life. They wanna know that what they're doing um, really matters. And they work at a paper company, that, uh, a company that sells paper and they really don't feel like they serve any great purpose. And I think that one of the reasons that that show has become so popular is that people connect with those feelings. Because I think we all wanna know that what we're doing really matters. That that our lives are going to live beyond us. The effect of of what we're doing is going to matter long term. I think we all have that desire to connect with something greater than ourselves. I mean, life's great quest is the search for significance. And I think that's why people wrap themselves around uh, so many things that are larger than themselves. That's why people identify with sports teams. You know, people get behind the Chiefs. I don't know why. I'm sorry if that's you. (laughs) or people take up causes you know they want to save the earth or they want to save the baby hamsters or whatever their causes and they get behind these causes because they want to connect with something greater than just themselves that's a natural feeling and i think that's exactly where simon was I think he had heard the stories for years of other people, those who had gone before him. And he was amazed at what these people did. But it wasn't enough for him just to sit idly by and hear the stories of others. He wanted to live out some kind of adventure of his own. And I think it's at that exact moment in his life, this kind of inner turmoil that's going on when he has this incredible encounter with Jesus Christ. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4 together. I think we can We can reasonably make that conclusion based on the events that transpired on this day. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18, says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. That's kind of a familiar passage to a lot of us. And if we're not careful, we can kind of zoom by the weight and the magnitude of what is truly happening in this passage. Because we're just familiar with it. We know Peter and Andrew left their nets and they followed Jesus. As if they're just some kind of pre-programmed robots that were just designed to follow Jesus. That's not what's taking place at all. Understand this, that, that this was a huge thing that was transpiring in the life of, of, of Simon at this time. When Jesus said, come follow me, and, and Simon threw down his net and followed Jesus, he was forsaking his livelihood, his family relationships, every, everything that was familiar in his life was being abandoned at that moment. It was no small thing what he was doing. And somebody will only make that decision if they want to live for something greater. And I think Peter realized that this was his one opportunity, his one chance to grab hold of what he had been longing for to connect with something greater to get behind something that really mattered and I think as Jesus Christ said to him come follow me and I will make you fishers of people he understood that this was that chance and he took it he took that chance John's gospel lets us in on a little bit uh, of insight that, that Matthew leaves out in here a little bit more of the, the dialogue that takes place and I want to read that to you John 142 says this then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus looking intently at simon jesus said your name is simon son of john your name is is the hearer you're the listener but you will be called cephas which means peter cephas is the the aramaic version and peter is the greek version but they both mean the same thing they both mean the rock and in that moment jesus says you're no longer the hearer you're no longer the listener you are now the rock it's as if he's saying to him no longer Are you going to listen to the stories of other people but peter now your life is real your life is going to be one that others will point to as the example your life is going to have substance it's going to have meaning it's going to have depth you're now the rock it's something real something tangible it's something that matters and i think peter connected with that and he was so excited about it my question to you is have you had that kind of crossroads experience in your life where you've connected your life, you've jumped into the flow of what God is doing in this world? Have you had that time where you've thrown down your nets and followed after Jesus with everything that you have? Or are you just kind of living day to day just to get through today, just to collect another paycheck, just to try to raise your kids so they don't turn out to be idiots? Have you connected with that? For me, the best I can remember, that that kind of crossroads event in my life happened when I was 16 years old. I was on a missions trip with my youth group in South Dakota. And you have to understand that I didn't grow up in church. I I went to church for the first time when I was 13 years old. I accepted Christ, but really didn't get plugged back in for another couple of years until I was 15. So I'm 16 years old, never been on any kind of event like this whatsoever. And I can remember after a day of ministering on the Sioux Indian Reservation, I'm sitting on a yellow school bus. And you have to understand I probably had maybe two verses of scripture memorized, if that. And for the first time in my life I read the words to Romans 12 1 which I'm sure a lot of you have memorized and as I looked at the people that we ministered to I understood for the first time what it meant to be a living sacrifice that that was my reasonable service and I surrendered to ministry that day and I knew specifically that God was calling me to youth ministry and I pursued that with everything that I had have you had that kind of experience in your life Have you had that place where you've just been willing to throw it all down and and follow after God with almost kind of reckless abandon? Because that's what God wants. God wants to transform you from somebody who hears the stories of others to the people that live their own. That's what he desires for us. If there's one episode from Peter's life that best captures the essence of this transformation, I think it's one that we're familiar with. It's found in Matthew 14. This is one of those stories that Sister Lulu taught you on the flannel graph when you were four years old. But don't miss the freshness of what's taking place here. I mean, this is incredible. I think a lot of times that we look at these, these guys like Peter, and we, we make them almost out to like fairy tale figures, like the Easter Bunny or Superman or something. We have to remember that they were people just like you and I, and God did something incredible in their life. And he desires to do it in your life, too. Let's read this. Matthew 14. Starting in verse 24, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, before we talk about Peter, because I think that's the, the side of the story that we're most familiar with, I want to talk about the 11 other guys that didn't get out of the boat. Because I think that they're the people that we can best relate to. I think they're the ones that we can best connect with. Now, let me just kind of give you my take on this, this scenario as it's taking place. I think that the 11 other guys in the boat are watching Jesus walk on the water. And and they realize this is an extraordinary event. I mean, it's not every day you see something like this. And I think they realize that. I think they were totally in awe and amazement at what they were seeing, what they were witnessing was was just incredible. But I don't think that it ever occurred to them to get out of the boat. I think they sat there watching this going, man, this is going to be a great story to tell somebody. Nobody's going to believe this. I wish I had my camera. But I don't think that they ever, ever for a moment thought that they could be a part of it. When you say, well, how does that relate to us? See, I think that we oftentimes come to a a church service like this, or maybe you read the Bible in, in some kind of quiet place on your own, and you read the stories of Jesus, and you read what he did, and you read the places that he went, the people that he dealt with, And it's an amazing thing. You think to yourself, man, that's incredible. Look at what he did. But it never makes that transition into your life or into your world. You know, you read the stories of how Jesus fed 5,000 people. He had two fish and five loaves, and there was food left over. And it's an amazing thing. And you think, man, God's awesome. He can do anything until your bills come due. And you're like, where am I going to get the money? And you stay in the boat and you watch but you never do. And you're just like these 11 guys. Or you read the stories about how Jesus healed people and he raised people from the dead and you're like, "Man, that is incredible." Look at this. You know, this guy got healed and and you know, Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And then you get a phone call, like I did last March, saying that my wife had MS. And you stay in the boat because you never made that transition of these things that you see Jesus do coming into your world. Years later, one of the guys in the boat, James, he would write these words, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself then you walk away And you forget what you look like. What James is saying is that you have to remember who you are. You have to remember that you've been transformed. That you are now different than you were before. The Bible tells us that if any person is in Christ Jesus, they're a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And we no longer walk by sight. We now walk by faith. And if you don't remember that, it's like you're forgetting who you really are. And I don't know if James was thinking back to this event, to this night in the boat, and this time with Peter, watching him do this, and saying, you know what, I really wish that I had been the one that got out of the boat. But I know that that's what God is calling us each to do. There's a huge difference, huge difference, between being a hearer and being a doer. I mean, God says without faith it's impossible to please him. It's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between sitting on the sideline and being in the game. You know, a lot of us have our favorite teams, but it doesn't mean we're on the team. This, there's a, a movie that came out recently called Invincible, and the movie tells a story of a 30-year-old bartender back in 1976 who played one year of high school football, played no college football. But the Philadelphia Eagles were giving a, an open tryout, and this 30-year-old bartender with one year of high school football experience went down to the, to the tryout and made the team and actually played for three years. And his life went from ordinary, from sitting on the sidelines, to being thrust into the game as part of the team. And I want you to know that God gives us each that opportunity today to join him at work in this world, to not just sit on the sidelines, not just to read the stories or see what other people are doing, but to actually live it out ourselves. I mean, have you ever thought about what an awesome privilege God gives us to impact eternity, to actually have a hand in the kingdom. It's an amazing, amazing privilege that we're given. And most of us just let the, the opportunity pass right by us because we're just too caught up in other things, living in the flow of life. Peter wasn't that way. I think Peter saw this event. He saw Jesus coming to him on the water. And he looked at that, and I'm sure that he was stunned just as the others were, but something different happened with Peter because Peter realized, that he was no longer the listener. He was no longer the hero, he was no longer the one just to watch the stories of others. And Peter remembered that Jesus had changed him into the rock. He remembered that he had been transformed into a person who was gonna write his own story. And so Peter had this crazy, crazy notion that he was gonna walk on water with Jesus. And he just needed some simple words of affirmation. I mean, I'm sure there was fear involved. Peter looked at the water, And I'm sure that all his years as a a fisherman had taught him that people don't walk on water, they sink. And so he's thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? And I'm sure that there were those in the boat with him trying to talk him out of it. They thought he was crazy. You know, you can almost hear Thomas going, I doubt you're going to make it. (laughs) But Peter wasn't listening. Peter wasn't listening because he was done just listening. He was going to do And you can almost see Jesus' smile as he says, yeah, come on out, Peter. Come on out. You see Jesus say, he gets it. Finally, he gets it. He understands that I've changed him into somebody who can do what I do. And Peter stepped over the edge and he became an out-of-the-boat type person. And God's calling us all to be out-of-the-boat type people today. And one of the things that I love about students the most is that they're out-of-the-boat type people. I think a lot of you think they're out-of-their-mind type people, which is also true. But teenagers will pursue God with reckless abandon. If they know God is telling them to do something, you can't hold them back, and I love that about them. You know, in my almost 10 years as a youth pastor, never once have I put a challenge out in front of a group of teenagers and had them tell me that they're going to have to form a committee and vote on it. They just don't operate that way. Why? Because they see God, and they just want to pursue him. And some of you say, well, yeah, but they're young, and they're naive, and they'll grow out of that. You know what? I'm not so sure that God wants us to grow out of that. I think that's why he says so much about childlike faith, just following him. See, the deal is if you wait for it to become reasonable to walk on water, if you wait for that to make sense and be logical, it never will. And you will stay in the boat. But if you just see Jesus and you understand that he's telling you to do the things that he does and to experience the things that he has for you, a little thing like walking on water seems like nothing. God wants you to be out of the boat type people. Step over the edge and follow him with that kind of reckless abandon today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you not only ask us to do these things, but God, you're there with us, guiding us. And we understand that faithful is he who calls us, who also will do it. God, we thank you that you've left us this example to teach us. God, help us to learn the lessons that you have for us today. God, we love you. And I pray, God, if there's any person in here who's not made that first fundamental step of following you, just putting their faith in you as Savior, that they would do that today, God, that they would understand that they have a need for salvation, that they have a need um, to be forgiven, that your spirit would move in their hearts today and compel them to that, and I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, at, this, at this time, if we get have the ushers come forward, we'll receive our morning offering. I thank you so much for your attention and, and the uh, latitude that you've given me. I know It's always a bit of a disappointment when you see someone walk up here beside Pastor Hoover. So I do appreciate uh, the attention that you've given to me today and allowing me to be up here. Let's pray for the offering, and then uh, the band will play. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have been so faithful to provide for our needs. Uh, God, that you take care of us and that you've allowed us to do so many amazing things because your people have been generous. We just pray that you would continue to um, move in hearts. Um, We thank you for the progress that we've seen in kids' world and, and just the different... Things that you're doing around this place, God, we thank you more than anything for those who have, who have come into your family recently, God, that have been uh, forgiven and um, received you as Savior, and the stories uh, don't cease to amaze us, God, and what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.